Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. I'll be hosting this episode. I'm a software developer and tech leader in Alberta's innovation ecosystem. Web3 and virtual reality are my current time suck, and I am passionate about technology and entrepreneurship. As the founder and CTO of New Idea Machine, giving back to the community is important to me. I am always available to offer advice on technology and business. On this episode, I go all the way back to our first episode and visit with our guest, Pete LaFontaine. Looking forward to this one. Hey everyone, welcome to the Leaders, Innovators and Big Ideas podcast for Rainforest Alberta. Today, I have a very special guest. Actually, in on February 18th, 2019 was episode one of the Libby podcast. And we had Alan Marston host Pete LaFontaine, a Rainforest elder and all around awesome, interesting fella. Uh, Pete, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Yep. Nice to see you again, Al. This is great. It's uh, been an interesting journey since we did the little podcast with Alan. Yeah, for sure. So why don't we start by just uh, catching up with you? So what kind of what kind of exciting things have you been up to over the past four years? <laughs> well, it's pretty interesting. It's uh, some of the stuff that I've been working on is coming full circle. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. But uh, the exciting thing is that I've stayed involved with the Rainforest Alberta group and I tried to attend as many of the Lunch Without Lunches and other re- related events on an ongoing basis to see how that's working out. And, uh, you know, as much as I would like to say since the Rainforest started, Rainforest Alberta, I mean, not just the podcasts, it's, uh, you know, things have moved along. We've got much more going on in the ecosystem. You know, the original idea then was. You know, how do we take the uh, value or the uh, innovation that was happening in Silicon Valley and how do we take all of those pieces of parts and move them to to Alberta? That was the original concept. And then, of course, we wrote the social agreement, which was, you know, how do we share, how do people participate, you know, get involved and actually give as opposed to get from being involved in the network. And uh, I think that's, you know, still there. Lots of, that's our request for people, then they do get involved in this thing. But I would say the ecosystem has grown up quite a bit because there's, you know, the idea of the rainforest is, is you know, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's outgrown, but it's been surrounded by a whole lot of other pieces and parts and organizations and universities and everything else have kind of jumped onto the bandwagon in terms of trying to do new things and startups and that sort of stuff. So the community for startups is phenomenal, like you've mentioned in your last cast. Um, I think we still got a long way to go. I think it's really, you know, just kind of moving the iceberg. Feels like it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's just my uh, my impatient attitude about stuff, <laughs> you know. It's a good idea, then you would think you'd be able to move a whole lot faster. Yeah. Uh, we can talk. We can talk a little bit about that, and then so I've stayed involved, and you know, since then I uh, took on the chairman role at Rainforest Energy, not to be confused with Rainforest Alberta, and that's a multi-billion-dollar new fuels business. And 
know, it very got me very excited. Yeah, it's uh, taking the best of uh, <clears throat> what I've learned from the technology world that I was involved in, including the fur trading industry that I started in. <laughs> and it's actually brought and has actually brought everything back together. So that business, just for the uh, listeners, is uh, focused. It's, you can go to the website rainforestenergy.ca. You'll see that we're taking uh, agriculture and forest waste and methane or nat gas and turning it into an alternative to ethanol. So a cleaner fuel, cheaper fuel, uh, makes money without you know being subsidized, which I think is a subject that we should talk about going forward here. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that with indigenous communities, and we hope to build 40 of these facilities in Western Canada, which is a multi-billion dollar business and employ 12,500 people. It might outlast me and you, Al. Well, maybe <laughs> not you, me. Yeah, but uh, we'll we'll go down swinging. <laughs> so to go speak. down swinging, or in the court, <clears throat> or in the game, or in the game at least, right? Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, well, Rainforest Energy is is a super exciting company. I know you've had a couple present, or you've done a couple presentations on that, and. They were well attended and the information is super fascinating. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a couple topics that you talked about in original podcast episode number one, which we'll link to in the show notes. Yeah. But I just want to catch up on a couple of things. So you mentioned Choppers for Charity, and I believe you're still doing that. And then you also talked about philanthropy and moving in towards being involved in businesses and your mental health journey. So can we catch up on those three things as well before we continue on to the the other stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So on the philanthropy circuit or the charity circuit and Choppers for Charity, we've we continued to do that until just this year. Uh, okay. that, that was to raise money for the uh, Rotary Flames House or the the children's program there, the respite program. So we that was, you know, I think all in all we raised about $4 million to put into that program, which was good. Over several years, right? Yeah, we did it over several years. So lots of fun. Then, uh, you know, the idea of moving forward on the philanthropy front to, to, you know, solving the business problems, I was already alluding to the idea of, you know, it, if you're going to do take on big challenges, you got to have some sort of strong economic model behind it. Yes. So the words that I've settled on now is, you know, purpose and profitability. Mm-hmm. So those not not in unison, they have to work together. So if you can, you know, if you're going to try to take on big challenges, I, the approach I'm taking is to build a business that's got that authentic purpose in it and can make money in today's economy and hopefully not get subsidized and not yes. depend on, you know, an ongoing stream of money that you got to go and beg, borrow and steal to keep the business alive. It's a very fragile model if anything is built around that. So purpose and profitability. And then on the mental health front, I mean, that's just as big as ever now, right? I mean, the world is, you know, worried about a lot of stuff, everything from health. Obviously, we just come through a pretty interesting health episode here. And you know, it seems to keep showing up in the news every day again, like we're trying to do it all over again. That frightens me, and I think that's part of the mental health that's happening out there in society in general. Absolutely. Of course, uh, we've got a 
you know, a, a crop of people that are coming through the universities and school systems who are uh, thinking that we've uh, kind of messed up the planet. The uh, Their forefathers have kind of, you know, set the world on fire and are leaving it on fire and that, that they're going to be responsible to yeah. fix it. And they need to fix it within the next two to five weeks or else we'll <laughs> <we're> gonna... <laughs> Well, no. the, the narrative is uh, is not necessarily the truth, right? The the narrative is is what it is, and being responsible, ethical people, and and taking care of our planet is absolutely an important thing. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. But you know, drastically making significant changes that are completely unrealistic, uh, in trying to do something in an incredibly unrealistic and short time frame is just plain. Um, yeah, it's a. Time I don't even frame. know. Yeah, it's 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 silliness. But you know, like uh, there there's so much there's so much that you can do. One of the things that um, I've heard uh, recently, and, and I really really strongly agree with, is it's even though some of the um, the problems that we face today are because of technology and because of innovation and because of, of people trying to grow businesses and make money. That doesn't mean we have to undo all that or, or destroy all of that. What we need to do is take advantage of the advantage uh, as the, um, yeah. the, the growth in technology and that and use those use technology to solve the problem. Right. Um, yeah. And so you can make a problem with, with fire, but you can also solve a problem with earth elements as well, like water, right? And so yeah. I think that technology advancing first, th first people do first thing people do is go, hey, look what I can do. Look what this will do for mankind. And then they realize there's some negative side effects of that. Well, you don't just stop doing that. You know, like Jim Gibson said in his first book there that once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So yeah, that's uh, yep, tip of the spear. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And so we just need to take advantage of like you are with Rainforest Energy Group is take advantage of technology and science and 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 business and make a difference and change things for the better using those new new ideas. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, I think it's just evolutionary path. I mean, this is technology's here. It's going to be around, you know, there's for as long as, you know, we can foresee unless there's other things that happen that we don't, you don't know about, but I mean, we are going to continue to make things better. I've watched it. You know, I, I keep thinking to myself as I hold my, you know, ultra thin laptop and or phone or at least devices. And I've been around long enough and I still see them as miracles. <laughs> mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. is modern miracle. I seriously like, when, um, and we're going to continue to get that sort of stuff done. So I think, yeah, I think we're in good hands. Um, I'm no nervous though that people's uh, attitude and you know their worry is just being forced out there. And uh, you know, I was working with some psychologists recently with Peer Guidance, which is another group that I'm involved in for helping entrepreneurs grow their business. And we've been focusing on the entrepreneur's mental health. Mm -hmm. How to how to keep yourself in check. You know, how to not burn out and how to understand how to work with people and, you know, even uh, how to understand what being an entrepreneur means before you dump, jump in. 
just to make sure you understand it. But, uh, and then in that session, you know, we talked about, you know, people's attitude, they're, you know, willing to move forward. I, you know, let's make sure that we're not, you know, being reckless, but let's make sure we're moving forward. And if we're not moving forward, let's try something else. Yeah. And I mean, that's the try something else part is, is so important. Like to not go so deep and to just, you know, they call it the proverbial rabbit hole, but don't get too deep. Anyway, um, yeah, so in terms of the update, I'd say that, you know, still on the path of helping the innovation ecosystem going, still on a path to help people understand what it means to be in a, in a and the mental health thing and health in general is, you know, like my message to anybody I meet is you are the source of your physical and go forward plan. And so if that's, you're the capsule, then get proactive and figure out how to keep your body and your brain in check as much as you can. Just like understand what that is and understand and try to use the tools that are out there to understand yourself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's not an easy, it's, yeah, it's interesting. So those are brilliant words. And, and back in episode one, you were telling Alan that you uh, started biking everywhere for the past couple of years. And now it's four years later and you're still biking everywhere. Yeah. I was um, out. Are you still biking in, in the 36, minus 36? Proud to, proud to say I did a <laughs> minus 34 the other day, although it was a fairly short trip. Um, And you know what? I have this kind of idea that pretty straightforward it's like minus 10 it's two layers minus 20 it's three layers and minus 30 you're crazy (laughs) 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 but but you know snowmobile mitts and toots and you cover your face and keep the skin from getting frosted and and it's doable except the bike itself i find is, is now starting to uh the oil and the lubricants around the bushings and everything else start to gel. So the, uh, the wheels don't even like to turn. Right. Anyway, then I think, well, then this is good. Cause this is just a little extra uh, exercise. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. No, I still go downtown all the time on my bike. These minus 30 days though, you're uh, lucky. It's about a 20 minute journey or 25 minute journey. And, uh, yeah, you're lucky just to kind of open the door and try to get inside. I'd hate to be uh, having to struggle outside. I was talking about that the other day with uh, Ward Sutherland, an ex-counselor for, for Calgary. And uh, he and I go back. I'm I'm Métis, and he goes back a long time with his family. And we're just thinking, like, oh, my God, our history, our, like our ancestors. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. Yeah. Coming to Canada. And it's like, you know, 150 or 200 years ago or 300 years ago. And what these people hacked actually, you know, where entire communities wiped out if they weren't prepared and didn't understand. So, you know, I think of all of those things and where we are today, you know, I have my friends that are hikers and bikers and snowboarders and they like to get back country and that sort of stuff. And, you know, they very few people know how to actually even survive with all the modern stuff we have. They get nervous out there with their trucks and whether their cars are going to start. Yes. Yes. Anyway, yes. And those people had to cover up with like so much. Anyway, it was very interesting. Well, that's a, that's a testament to human ingenuity and, and drive, right? You know, people, people could have 
you know, congregated around the equator and just stayed warm all the time, but they didn't, they ventured out and, um, you know, up into the frozen North <laughs> and they made it. I mean, you're right. Lots and lots of people didn't make it, but if you look at, you know, the theory of evolution, well, the strong survive, right. And, uh, that goes for, for physical, it goes for mental, it goes for everything. I heard a great quote. This is a brilliant quote. Be physically strong. So you can't be attacked by others. Be mentally strong. So you can't be attacked by yourself. I love that. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you go forward with the, uh, that, you know, we can do this attitude and, uh, and you get a few people around, surround yourself with the right team, um, then that means everything. Absolutely. And I mean, that'd be my recommendation for anybody is, you know, even if they look at addictions and mental health and recovery and that sort of stuff, it's uh, the ones that are successful have managed to figure out who they are and the various cognitive therapies and get themselves moving ahead, find a purpose, but also find a different team, mm -hmm. typically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And somebody else surrounds them that are there to help them and move them forward as to kind of drag them back into the soup yeah. so to speak 100 percent. and i think that's probably the, the one of the most difficult things is you know people surround themselves or they just they end up with this circle of friends and colleagues that that are not necessarily that good for them to be around yeah and then it's really hard to to lose that like that those are your friends like you know i'm not gonna say goodbye to all my friends well uh if you want to uh, you know, get somewhere and, and do something with your life. If, if the friends are willing to come with you, that's great. But if not, you, you don't, you don't really want to stick around with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, I think if we go back to kind of moving forward and, you know, what I've observed, I'd say that, you know, what has changed in the few five years or so with, in terms of getting the ecosystem to move forward. It feels like there's more and more bureaucracy and government involved in everything we're doing. Now, I may be hypersensitive to that because I've gotten into the clean fuels industry and, you know, the energy space itself has, you know, land and subsurface and a lot of different regulatory requirements you need to understand and work with. But it definitely feels like we've got government everywhere now. I mean, you know, the COVID thing, I maybe exacerbated that as well. Um, you know, the government exerting its power over people and what, it, you know, telling the people what it needs as opposed to, you know, the people telling what the government, what it needs. Yes. But, uh, it's gone oh. a big shift, I think. Now, I could be just, you know, because I've gotten involved a bit more in watching politics and I hadn't been until about three years ago. But, you know, it just feels to me like it's, there's a lot of, a lot of layers of our government. Well, I find that the narrative now is that, you know, people are people are expecting government to just solve all the problems and government is supposed to be subservient to the people, right? The government is there to support the people. And I think the government has been moving far, far, far towards, uh, you know, controlling the people and becoming the 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 director and the, the leader yeah. of of everything. And it's like, no, 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 no. The people will figure that out themselves. The government just needs to be there for support and not troll. And I think that's where the problem is. I think that is the idea for sure. Like, if, And that's not everybody's view of it because if you're in the government, then it's like, you know, we need to be here because the, the great unwashed can't figure it out. So, <laughs> Well, here's, here's something that I made an observa observation the other day, and I'm not sure if a lot of people have actually really thought about this, but 
when when one level of government, let's let's pick federal, for example, or, or even provincial, decides that they're going to provide a fund of some sort, whether it be millions or billions or whatever, that they're yeah. going to fund some sort of aspect. The first thing they do is go, okay, here's the money. Go, go, go deal with this. And then what they do is they create an organization to distribute that money correctly. And then that organization just creates a whole bunch of other organizations to divvy up subs- subsets of that money. Yeah. And by the time the end user or the, or the end organization receives the money that they're supposed to receive, they've gone through layers and layers of bureaucracy employing which they're paying tons and tons of money to to support all these different people that are trying to distribute some money and most of the money like like a large amount of that money is getting dissolved in that bureaucracy to before it even gets to the person that's supposed to receive it or the company that's organization that's supposed to receive it and i find that incredibly frustrating because having worked in government organizations they pay way too much for everything. You know, companies that work for the government organizations take advantage of the government organizations. Yeah. And um, there's no focus on using the money efficiently and correctly. And when you're, when you're in one of those government organizations, they restrict stuff that they shouldn't be restricting and blow money where they shouldn't be blowing it. And, and it's very, very frustrating uh, for everyone. Um, so I think that, you know, again, less government, if, if people are building sustainable, financially viable businesses, like you're talking about with reinforced energy, then the government requirement to give money away, uh, to other people and keep them alive another year or whatever, um, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be such a huge requirement. And Anybody who's worked for a not-for-profit that's government-funded knows that it's you spend all your time reporting back to the government on how you spent the money, and you know that's just wasted time and wasted effort. And yeah. I'm not saying I have the solution. I'm not. I'm not obviously. Uh, the, the it's a difficult, difficult problem, but uh, I think that there needs to be a focus on people being self-sustaining and less government involvement. And maybe we can do that by creating viable businesses that have a profit, uh, like a motive to, to make money and sustain, self-sustain rather than counting on government subsidies, which is what you said at the kind of the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, that's next part of that conversation is just, you know, the economy and uh, what's going on. So, you know, we uh, all think that, you know, we've got to do whatever we can to make sure that the uh, we're being fair to the planet as we expand and grow, because that's, you know, we are still populating the planet. Um, and But all aspects, I mean, mm-hmm. everything from, you know, looking after one another to looking after your backyard. So I keep coming back to the concept of uh, community first. And, you know, if you're looking for an answer, I think that's where it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, one way or another, it, the world will get to that community first level, I think, you know, as opposed to a global answer. Because as soon as you try to boil, you know, everything up to a handful of things, just like we've watched with the uh, World Economic Forum or United Nations, 
You know, they had 125 key initiatives, you know, that come from their multiple country contributions. And the reason there's 125 is because there's 125 countries contributing to it. So they all got to have their own list of personal priorities. And so anyway, I think what's going to happen is we're going to start falling back to building stronger, localized, circular economy communities. If you think about all of the elements of that, then I think there's some real doables. I, I know there's some global initiatives that need to be considered and we need to keep an eye on that. But I think the strength will come from uh, communities, uh, small and medium and large sized businesses that are focused on, you know, and, and you think even a large business, they become more powerful if they know how to work with their local communities yes. in terms of their marketing their customer alignment and that sort of stuff. So I think it's just natural. And then if you think of, you know, if we were back those, our ancestors 370 years ago or more, you know, if they didn't figure out how to work together, yeah. done, right? It wasn't because somebody in Europe were going to run back and, and save the community that week or yeah. day. They'd show up, you know, two years later and what the hell happened to Fort Mackay? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. I, think, I, think, I think building on communities is one of the answers we're looking for is to how do we, you know, build the strength. And then in the ecosystem here, we're talking about, let's, you know, we don't want to be just a farm team to the United States, although there's a lot of people that say that's a good model, you know, grow a business here and then, you know, have it get eventually funded and grown throughout the United States, which is, you know, there is that part of it. But I think uh, we still need to get back to focusing, you know, the city of Calgary, the city of Edmonton, the local governments could do more to buy local, for example. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. So I think that's one of the keys, you know, the whole ecosystem could do to kind of evangelize together. And, uh, you know, maybe it sounds weird to have them sign on to the social agreement yes. that says they're there to help as opposed yes. to yes. I think that, that would be a bit of a shift. And we're starting to see some of that. Right. We're starting to see some people that are trying to move up on that. Jim Gray with uh, Intergen and uh, Brian Fileski and a few of the others that are Sandy Gilbert that are making some real moves in that space. And then uh, lots of other guys. Brian Slotko with Matiquity, I think, is a good example. He understands kind of the death gap mm -hmm. between, you know, having an idea and not having enough money and getting through the, the knothole of that. And you know what is also interesting? People are, if they follow the Quorum Group, that's C-O-R-U-M group, um, they do a really interesting uh, quarterly or every six-month podcast on kind of the M&A scene in the tech world. Mm. If you haven't seen that, it's really useful. I just, uh, they sent me their slides and uh, you know what? shocked me out. I've been in the technology and you've been in the technology world, but if we went through that group of companies that were buying and acquiring and expanding through that, I didn't recognize, you know, I asked 80% were outside of companies that I've ever even heard of. Yeah. And they're massive acquisitions that are going on out there. So, you know, I think our ecosystem, either I'm just like missing the boat here but uh, it surprises me how much tech and innovation is going on out there, or at least what it appears to be. Yeah, yeah. Big, well, I think big companies, 
big companies gobbling up the little good ideas. Either they're doing that to protect their, you know, established software, for example, you know, and they don't want somebody coming in and disrupting the, the utility software space or storage space or whatever it is. So very interesting. That's a really good point. And um, it ties back to your comment about community um, companies. And one of the things that made Sil- Silicon Valley so strong was that companies work together. And instead of trying to, you know, build their own wheel over and over again. Uh, so I think if, if companies continue to, to share ideas and work together, then they're going to be stronger for it. And uh, yeah, nothing makes a company grow faster than finding out somebody has a very symbiotic partnership that they can take advantage of. And um, Yeah. Well, teamwork. And then, you know, the, from a community perspective, back to that and, you know, lo- supporting local businesses, you can buy, you can share back and forth with one another. You don't have to be, you know, everybody using the same global platform. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into an AI conversation, but, uh, we can say that, you know, AI is making a big difference in well and, and allowing, uh, organizations to grow faster and accomplish things that they've never been able to accomplish before. Um, you know, the other day, uh, yesterday, actually, I was just thinking about um, uh, in 2016, I think it was 2017, somewhere in there, I started a company called Capturing Legacies. And my goal was to tell people's life stories. And unfortunately, at the time, it was very difficult because, you know, you'd go out and you'd interview somebody and trying to, to learn all their stories. And then you'd have all this audio that had to be transcribed. And it was very time-consuming and expensive to transcribe all that audio and then take results of that and turn it into something that somebody would want to read so that you could produce a, you know, a book of somebody's life yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I was yeah. just thinking yesterday, uh, you could re- take those recordings, feed them into Descript as an example. Descript is an AI tool that transcribes yeah, yeah. audio. Yeah. Then you take all mm-hmm. those audio audio transcriptions and you stuff them into ChatGPT and tell it to to take all the ideas and put some nice wording around it to format it into a book. And you know you've got you've got everything done in a much significantly shorter period of effort and time. So yeah, I think uh, well, let me it's uh, going to be very interesting. Let me add a perspective on that. So I've been mucking around with it and having lots of fun with it. And I think I told you this, but when we were raising money for the Branch Out Foundation, which was a bicycle race around down the Panorama Mountain around Lake Windermere and back up to raise money for non-pharmaceutical neurological research is kind of the, the bent there. Um, but anyway, I, uh, I said I'd eaten his team, you know, just in being comical, invented the biodigestate two-stroke engine for bicycles. It could attach to any bicycle, you know, and it could go anywhere between 75 and 160 kilometers home, depending on how much groceries you put into this thing. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Microsoft's AI ad- engine got a hold of my message and they, they said, hey, this sounds like you've got this amazing new thing that you can add to any bicycle and it's a biodigestate two-stroke engine. This sounds like a written revolutionary new tool do you mind sharing your ideas with us a bit more and your design specs and i said well what about trade seekers and <laughs> what about on all the anyway then it came back and oh yes of course we wouldn't want you to review any 
reveal any of that type of stuff because, you know, we're not going to absorb it and share it anywhere. <laughs> anyway, it went viral and I turned around, we put it through another chat engine and it came back and it wrote this dissertation paper on my biodigestate engine. It wrote this amazing paper, fully footnoted and everything else about, you know, how Pete and his researchers had invented this biodigestate two-stroke or four-stroke engine that was compatible with a phone or <laughs> with either the iPod <laughs> or Apple phone or Android. And uh, anyway, and then I had people come and then they wanted to buy this thing. And it's like, it was like shocking. And the engine, just for the readers, it's, it's the person that jumps on the bicycle and eats sandwiches and they have two legs, which is one stroke. And the other leg is the other stroke. <laughs> anyway, but it's still out there. And But I guess my point there is that the AI engine, if you wrote that book that you're talking about by way of example, and you punched a bunch of data in there, and again, it gets back to data and what's real, you, you could create just a absolutely frightening, you know, set of ideas using what appears to be a highly legitimized, you know, document that's been validated and verified. Like if you look at this thing I did with the biodigest energy and you read it, you'll go like, what the heck? This was like, you know, people would actually want to buy or the patent yes. for this thing. Yeah. Anyway, but that's a good point that uh about the data and it gets right back to the data. Like so much of the stuff that we're doing out there in AI, um is new ideas, new models, new stuff. Not necessarily, when I keep saying we got to have kind of define the analog versus the digital mm -hmm. world. And we have to realize that we still need to eat and move and exercise and feed ourselves and keep our communities healthy and, you know, do all of those things. We can't eat bits mm -hmm. and bites. As much as, you know, your hollow lens would put a nice, good-looking turkey in front of you, I don't think it's going to solve any of your hunger problems. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Although you could probably say when the government tries to make you eat uh, grasshoppers, you could always put the VR headset on to make it look like something delicious. <laughs> no, I'm sure. And you could probably uh, throw some, you know, smell into your nose and, <laughs> and off you'd go. <laughs> anyway, um... The point on, I know you didn't want to get into AI, but it's, I mean, it's important to understand technology and, you know, whether it's going to be there to help us. And I do believe, although, you know, our guard has to be up. Yes, yes. You know, we really have to give ourselves a, a moral compass. We have to have, be bright. Uh, we have to be, uh, just like in health, you have to be preventative as opposed to reactive, because if you're waiting for your you know, your infrastructure and in your company or your email or something to be hacked, it's, you know, yeah, it's going to happen. So you got to know this stuff. You got to be in charge. And that's why a bunch of smart people have to stay involved. Um, you know, the guys that are doing cybersecurity are going to use AI to help them and the criminals are going to use yep. AI to help yep. them. So, you know, it's going to be a constant. We have to be aware of it. Now they're trying to talk about putting some rules and regulations around it. Um, the criminals don't don't follow don't rules and regulations. So putting them on the people that are trying to do the right thing is just going to make it so that yeah. the criminals can do whatever they want. Yeah, that's yeah, it's tough. Yeah. But uh, let's 
So again, looking after your own backyard, yep. I think it's back to that concept of community, build first, build strong there. You know, even if we talk about a scaling, expanding business, you know, get it yep. right. Get it right, right here. Don't, you know, let's not go and buy all this, you know, all this money and we're going to build this thing. You know, it's a, it's a model that's been done in Silicon Valley, right? There's a bunch of rich dudes down there that just, you know, through, you know, millions and millions of dollars stuff that just, you know, it's gone, but it didn't matter to them because they, you know, have pretty serious bank accounts. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know what? Every company that gets started dreams of becoming a unicorn, but if you don't build a solid foundation, um, it doesn't mean anything. And, uh, it, it needs to be, it needs to be a good quality company. It needs to have some sort of social, uh, social return as well. I think these days, um, just building a company for the I sake. Think I think it's good, good to have that for sure. Like the whole ESG concept of, you know, but being a good employer air, you know, have an authentic service. And I think that's kind of as far as you need to go. If you're obviously, if you're doing something that is just 100% devastating to, you know, the ecosystem, then of course, something has to be done about that. Yeah. 100%. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, nice. It's very interesting. So, well, excellent. Well, before we, uh, before we wind down the show here, is there anything else that we want to like, we got a little bit into the rainforest energy group, but I know that's a big focus of yours right now. And, uh, you know, based on the presentations that I've seen, it's pretty outstanding. Maybe you could uh, give us a little bit more information on, on how that's, how, what that's all about and how that works. And are you looking for anything from anybody? Are you looking for more people to come on board? Are you looking for funding? Are you looking for uh, education? What's kind of, what do you need? Um, well, we've been at it for five years, shockingly enough, for four and a half. And... So the business, again, is taking agriculture waste, forest waste, and ethanol, taking, creating, or methane, and turning that into a new green fuel for cars. Mm -hmm. Again, it's highly regulated, So, but we've really done a good job of getting closer and understanding the government. We got the feds to participate in supporting one of our facilities, which is good news. I mean, because the feds seem to be wanting to not do much in, in the energy space here in Western Canada. So that's a really positive sign that we've starting to close the gap a bit. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be good for people to understand what we're doing and see the value of building businesses that aren't suspended on subsidies. Mm -hmm. I think that's a real threat mm -hmm. to a lot of the businesses. I'm doing these with uh, Indigenous communities and I'm watching some of the projects that are going in on those communities and some of them aren't going to survive if there's an adjustment on the, you know, electricity price or if the subsidies aren't there any longer, they'll be dangerously low or have to be subsidized to keep alive. And then again, we dig ourselves another hole. Mm -hmm. So I guess the help I'm looking for is just for people to take a peek at what we're doing at Rainforest, you know, maybe use that as a bit of a model, you know, for, you know, how to think about a business. We've, uh, Got a super good team now. Always looking for interesting new people. I did just regenerate the business a wee bit. Um, one of our key founders was, you know, struggling a little bit with their physical health. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've added some new. I'd like to get, I'd like to get a whole group of young people, you know, between the ages of whatever, fifteen and thirty, 
to know what this business looks like and how it getting structured so that they can think about their you know next contribution on how that might work. Mm. There's a bunch of really sweet technology that's encompassed in what we're doing now, and it's it's not just digital; it's hardware and digital all coming together, right? To to create so it's chemistry and it's physics and it's sensors and sensor management and it's data and you know it's all used to keep people safe and make sure that the facilities run. They're doing what they're supposed to do and keeping track of traffic in and around the facilities. It's a good example. So, you know, I think I got to actually, I should just do a podcast with you on that whole thing and we should throw up some slides and I should do a video (laughs) for it on the site. Anyway, um, the help wise, I, you know, I continue to ask what people want from me, you know, if I can get involved in other stuff and share a bit of knowledge, I'm keen to do that. Through uh, my personal approach, or even with the peer guidance group, or Intergen, anyway, and working with you, I want to say thanks to you. You've been uh, inspiration for me. You've been sticking at it, and you're trying to get a couple businesses fired up. So, it's, it's, yeah, you know, maybe we can figure that out. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Pete. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you for this. This was really fun. It's great to hear, you know, all the great things that you've been working on and all the ideas you have in your head. Uh, I'm sure we could have you on the show 10 more times and we still wouldn't get through all the stuff going through that noggin of yours, but it's been, uh, it's been awesome. And uh, I really look forward to uh, catching up with you. I've got to grab a beer soon. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, maybe we'll do a couple more of these and put some thoughts down around stuff and maybe even, you know, maybe a two or three way conversation might be interesting for a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Pete. Is there any uh, last words you'd like to leave the listeners with on this on this wonderful day? Nice, warm, <laughs> nice, freezing, cold day. <laughs> I don't know. I just uh, I keep saying I come up with a personal motto that drives you and gets you excited about your day. My personal one is happy, healthy, and wealthy in that specific order. So you know that happy is kind of doing what you like to do, and if you're Jigging away at something you don't like to do, then understand why you're doing it. Find something you know that can mentally stimulate, stimulate you, and move you forward. And don't ignore your uh, your little palace that you're living in, where your consciousness is. <laughs> Look after it, and uh, yeah, and then uh, you know the money part. Well, yeah, let's let's make a bunch of money. Let's grow the economy. Let's let's keep things moving forward. Love it. I love it. Uh, you always hear uh, money can't buy happiness, but it can sure sustain it for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, it can help get stuff done. Like again, a super strong economy will help support all of those other things we're trying to do. If we want to do all those other things without something to fund it, I don't know how that happens. I, I still haven't figured out. I haven't talked to an economist anywhere or read anything that says, here's how to do that, you know, without having a just the rocking economy and you know i hear in western canada i'll just to be straight i don't understand why we're not going hard on energy forestry agriculture you know all those things entrepreneurship which are all things that we do as opposed to trying to invent and become you know part of the gig economy 
with resources that we're actually not good at, I think it would be just like, let's do exactly what we do really well first and make that fly. And then, and then we can afford to do some of the other things that we need to do, like have advanced healthcare and education and the rest of it. Those are brilliant words. I'm, I'm not even going to continue the show after that. That was the perfect close. Thanks, Pete, for being here. I really appreciate it. Have an amazing rest of your week. Thanks, Al. And we'll do it again. And uh, yeah, look forward to having that beer. Take care. Okay, cheers. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.